everybody. Welcome again to F This Movie, the official podcast of FThisMovie.com. Movie love for movie lovers. My name is Patrick Bromley, and I'm super excited for this week's show because we're talking about 1990's The Rookie, starring and directed by Clint Eastwood, co-starring Chuck Sheen, mm-hmm. which means I'm joined for this very special episode by a man who is not a rookie. No. He's a pro. Yeah. He's a pro I'm podcaster, a, vet. I'm a, vet. a pro movie fan. Yeah. Adam Risky, everybody. Hi, everyone. Hi, Adam. Hi. The rookie celebrating its 33rd anniversary. Wow. Yeah. Wow. This was another one of those. I, I mentioned it on a Patreon episode that this was another one of those movies where my parents watched it as a date night when I was a kid. And then he came back and I'm just like, how did it end? And then they were like, Raul Julia dies. And then I was just like, oh, okay. <laughs> Please I, call him Strom. Strom? That yeah. was his name? Yeah. I didn't even remember that. Oh, come on. Strom and Liesel? They're my favorite <laughs> bad guy couple. I had the action figures. <laughs> <laughs> this was, I texted this to you when we started talking about, I don't remember how we got into this, but like I said, this was for sure one of our first divorce movies. Okay. Like, uh, my parents must have split up in 1990 because it was like, Predator 2 was one. Flatliners was one. Yeah, this is all around. Flatliners was like late summer. Okay. 90. Predator 2 and Rookie were like Thanksgiving, early December. Yeah, so that must have been the time where at least we started hanging out. I mean, they split up, I think, in the spring of 90, but then we started like, it started to be okay for us to go out with my dad. Mm. In late 1990, what, do you know what movie opened opposite The Rookie? I don't think there was anything that opened against it its opening weekend. Okay. Um, I know that in the Wikipedia summation of its box office, they said that it was dinged because of Home Alone's runaway success. Okay. Um, and I know around that time, like, it was um, Predator 2, and then there was um, Three Men and a Little Lady. Because I remember I saw Home Alone... It's opening weekend, and then my parents took us to the movies the next weekend, and it was Thanksgiving weekend, nice. and they were just like, surely we should see the sequel to Three Men and a Little Lady, <laughs> and I'm just like, we live in a Home Alone world now. Like, <laughs> why are we, why go backwards? And I remember seeing it, and it was, ter- I see- seeing Three Men and a Little Lady, and it was terrible. Yeah. And my kindergarten teacher, who was so mean to me, was at the theater. Okay. At this time, I was in third grade. Yeah. And I basically had, like, PTSD. <laughs> and she's just like, what did you think of the movie? And I'm like, stay away from me, bitch. <laughs> I remember seeing Three Men and a Little Lady with my mom and my siblings, which we rarely did. But it was like a daytime mall movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, my memory is that I wanted to see something else with my dad. And he talked me into seeing The Rookie because he was a big Clint Eastwood guy. So yeah. he was like, no, son, let's go check out the new Clint Eastwood, The Rookie. Mm-hmm. I was curious with the we'll, – we'll get into this more later, but um, I didn't see The Gauntlet or Firefox or there was one other one. Okay. But I was like, has Clint Eastwood ever directed a straightforward action movie right. other than The Rookie? Because maybe that's why The Rookie is how The Rookie is. Very good. Because And then I was just like, could Don Siegel have directed this? But he was kind of in the wilderness at that point. Yeah. And he died, like, I think a year after The Rookie came out. Did this movie kill him? I think after he saw it, that's what what killed him. This was supposed to be a Craig Baxley movie. Wasn't it supposed to be two different actors, though? Matthew Modine and Gene Hackman. I think that would have been better. 
Yes and no. I mean, the movie would have been put together better. Mm-hmm. Um, Matthew Modine might have had more of a character arc. I don't know if I would buy him as like a motorcycle riding badass cop. That's why I want to see it. Yeah. Because I think for whatever reason, and we'll get into this later, <laughs> Eastwood and Sheen should work together. Okay. But I don't think that they do. Okay. In an antagonistic way. Got it. As partners. I think Hackman would, I think Modine would get under Hackman's skin really <laughs> easily and in a very entertaining way. I think almost anyone would get under Hackman's skin, but I think you're right. I don't understand really what the relationship of the rookie is supposed to be. It's very strange. It, sometimes they're antagonists, mostly they're just partners. Yeah. I don't, yeah. We'll we're get getting, into we're it. We're getting later. ahead of ourselves, everyone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Hey, Adam, Hi. have you seen anything good lately? I've seen a lot of stuff. Woo-hoo! Some of it good. Okay. I'll, I'll talk about a couple newbies first. Thank you for um, doing that. Yeah. So, um, Rob had a great review of Air. Yes. And I liked Air a lot. Um, I think it, that and John Wick Chapter 4 are probably my one and two for the year this right so on. far this okay. year. Nice. Um, Air is not... It, Air is kind of like... It's not as good as Moneyball, but I feel like it's going to be as rewatchable as Moneyball for me. Um, it's uh, got a couple of negatives for me. One is I think some of the song choices are like so on the nose mm. to the point that it's a little embarrassing. And then... Okay. Um, where it's almost like narrating the scene. <laughs> Is it all just money? That's what I want. <laughs> it's not. Do, 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 I don't do, think they do, use do, that, do, but do, it's do, pretty do. bad. But, um, and then there's a few Sorkin-esque speechifying scenes uh, where everybody tells stuff in an analogy or a metaphor. And um, there's one scene in particular where... Jason Bateman is talking about, you know, I listened to Born in the USA and I always thought it was like a rah-rah song, but then I listened to the lyrics and it's actually about this. And by the time he finishes the story, I was just like, this is the one time I've ever seen a movie where somebody has a metaphor and I'm just like, none of that made sense. <laughs> like to the what's going on here. Like none of other than like, I now can hear what you're trying to say. Like, but still, it's a bad analogy for okay. that, or it's just kind of a two-minute waste of time. Because, <laughs> hello, I understand, like, in the context of 1984 in the movie, that people are just like, oh, now I get born in the USA. Right. But, like, after, you know, you know, 38 years of that, like, we all know by now <laughs> that born in the USA is ironic. So is it possible that this is one of those things that the screenwriter... Like Tarantino's monologue about Top Gun and Sleep With Me, that yeah. this is one of those things that he's just been dying to get into a movie. It's it just like, like, I know it doesn't fit, but I got to put my Born in the USA speech in there. It feels like it feels like when I want to make a movie and I'm like, I'm going to put Wolf Mother in there. And then I saw <laughs> Shrek 3 and I'm like, oh, that's what this looks like. Like where you think it's such a great idea, but then you see it in practice and you're just like, oh, this is flop sweat. Are you excited for Shrek 5? I greenlit it. <laughs> I just I don't want it to happen, but I think it makes so much sense for it to happen because of this weird underground like swell of Shrek fandom. Like it's gonna be like the Super Mario thing. Can I say something that no one's gonna like? Yeah, there's never been a good Shrek movie. I think Shrek One works the first time you see it in 2001. <laughs> All right. I don't think I, I remember under that very specific set of conditions. I, I may be inclined it to agree. Night, I was just like, I get it, and then like I saw it like two weeks later, and I'm just like, the bloom is <laughs> off the rose. 
And then Shrek 2 is a weird, like, breakup movie with, like, my girlfriend okay. at the time. So, like, I can't... I, I'm looking forward to rewatching it for 2K Replay, but Oof. that was, like, one of those things where... I was like, didn't you think that joke in Shrek 2 was funny? And she's just like, that was the worst joke in the movie. And I'm like, oh, we're probably breaking up. <laughs> um, so, uh, Shrek 2 split you guys up like no, the rookie killed Don me, Siegel. She dumped me at the day after tomorrow. Oh, no. And then we got back together, and then we broke up five days later for good. Wow. But yeah, I was like... It was what were those five days like? Stressful and bad. <laughs> <laughs> it was really, really bad. Um the uh the air is um the thing i liked about air is i think it's like one of the best matt damon performances i've seen in a long time he's very like kind of loose and in sort of like the brad pitt moneyball type way okay chris messina kind of steals every scene he's in he oh, plays nice. david falk he's uh michael jordan's agent cool um and like then him. there's a lot of just good like i've never seen in a movie before about a company where you see a scene where they're like, okay, this is what we're going to do in the meeting. And this is your part in the meeting. And this is your part. And then it goes wrong and like, kind of like how they pivot and they're kind of looking at each other in the meeting. We're just like, Oh, we're losing him okay. and stuff like that. And like that shit happens all the time <laughs> in business all the time. Like the meetings that you think are going to go well, almost always are the ones you eat shit in and <laughs> the ones where you're just like, they're going to chew me out. And then they're just like, no, you did a really good job under tough circumstances. And I'm just like, what is up? What end is up? So I think that it's really good in that regard. Chris Tucker's like awesome. He's he's always good in like these supporting parts yeah. in like Silver Linings Playbook or Jackie Brown and stuff like yeah. that. So I just as like an acting movie and like a dad movie, which I'm I love that Ben Affleck and Matt Damon have become like the the guardians of the dad movie, <laughs> like that this was their true form all along. Like we thought we were like these like roughneck upstarters and they're just like, we just want to make dad movies, but we're not old enough to make dad movies yet. Is Argo a dad movie? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I know the town is. The, yeah. The town is. Yeah. yeah. But like I, yeah. Affleck's entire directing career. It's like not gone, movie. baby gone. Is it? That's a dad movie. Is it? It's a Dennis Lehane adaptation. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. I haven't seen it in a long time. Any but like I really liked it. movie like that is a dad movie. Got it. Like so. the rookie. The Rookie, that's a dad movie. Totally. My dad made me go see it. There you go. Um, and then uh, I saw Super Mario Brothers. Okay. I think it's fine. Like, I was fidgeting during it, but, like, the kids in my family that I was there with, they really enjoyed it. Um, I'm not an Illumination guy. I think it's almost impressive how much <clears throat> success they have with just so little creative <laughs> goodness to show for it somebody's got to carry that trek torch yeah some they're clearly carrying the dreamworks torch um <laughs> but uh you know i think visually it's really interesting like i think in terms of like you know where it looks like a side scrolling scene but they find a way to make it look like visually engaging and stuff i thought the animation was really well done i just thought that it was kind of you know it's it's very much targeted at kids which is great because yeah. like there's been so many articles about like the dearth of children's right, right. movies and because Marvel really has like taken it. its place, right? Pretty much. Yeah. It's everything is four quadrant now. Exactly. And so you're just supposed to take your kids to quantum mania. Yeah. And I then explain to them why it doesn't work. The th so think peace corner here for a second. <laughs> oh. One thing is I find it interesting that I, I wonder what it's like for kids now who don't ever see actual children in movies. 
like it's always animated characters right. or like adults in superhero okay. gear and stuff okay. like that. But like we grew up with like so many like you know Disney live action movies where it's just like Jonathan Taylor Thomas is like being vaulted to stardom or Macaulay Culkin and <laughs> right. stuff like that. And it's just like you never there's no kid actors anymore. No, not so really. It's, it's strange. So yeah. I wonder like what that's going to shake out as or if anything at all. And then um or I saw some think piece where I think it was like an indie wire guy or something and he was just like we have a responsibility to do better for like what kind of children's entertainment like we're giving to our kids and like he's like and I was so upset about it so I sat down with David Lowry and like it almost turned into like what like a commercial for Wendy and Peter and Wendy or whatever yeah. his Disney yeah. Plus movie is. And David Lowry saving the kids movie. Here's the thing. Okay. <laughs> People did this to me and kids my age throughout the 90s where they're just like, don't you want to see the little princess? Don't you want to see the secret garden? Don't you want to see secret of Rowan Inish? And I'm like, motherfucker, <laughs> I'm fine. I want to have fun. Like, don't you give me Richie Rich. I'm like, don't you tell, don't you throw your four stars at me? (laughs) Throw two of them at me. (laughs) Like, kids just want to have fun. Let them have fun. Like, yes. I'm David Lowry knows about fun. I'm miserable as an adult. It wasn't because I saw Man (laughs) of the House, it's because I got here on my own. (laughs) And I'm sure I wouldn't be like living in a posh condo if I saw The Secret of Rowan Inish. Let me have some GD fun. Anyways, Super Mario Brothers movie is all right. Um, and then I've been rewatching a bunch of like 03 movies. Yeah. So I rewatched Just Married. Okay. Um, I think we'll just, we it doesn't even need to be said anymore. I miss Brittany Murphy. Yeah, me too. And Ashton Kutcher's character in that movie is horrible. And like, <laughs> The fact that she takes him back at the end is like a betrayal. And I haven't I, seen it since like the weekend it opened. It's, does he just act like an asshole or like yeah, what's he's just, okay? He's just the ugly American. Okay. Like that's just the whole thing. Where like if he just he he's like the guy who drinks too much at a baseball game. Like it's just a miserable person. Okay. Like the whole movie, and you're just like she likes to you know look at museums and stuff, and he's just like I want to watch the ball game, and I'm just <laughs> like it's a regular season game. Grow up. You're married to Bernie. But doesn't he at some point go back in time to change the present? Oh, yeah. And then he gets strangled in a uterus. Um, That's the ending we wanted. Yeah. Uh, I rewatched. We're edgy. I rewatched, in case you didn't know, uh, I like that movie, by the way. Uh, I, I can't go back. Um, I rewatched Dumb and Dumber when Harry met Lloyd. Yeah, you did. Which, a movie that's so forgettable that when I was texting you, I'm like, I really like this. You did not know what movie I was talking about. You thought I was talking about Dumb and Dumber 2. And I was so offended that you thought that I liked Dumb and Dumber 2. And I even, like, played through in my head. Because you didn't say when Harry met Lloyd. You just said Dumb and Dumberer. So I was like, well, that's got to be the sequel, right? The Jim Carrey, Jeff Daniels sequel. Yeah. Uh, and then I remembered that that was T.O. And this yeah. is when Harry met Lloyd with yeah. Hostel and Eric Christian Olsen, right? Yes. Okay. And they are so good at imitating a younger Jim Carrey, Jeff Daniels. Yeah. But it's not like that's the whole show. I think it's one of those sneaky, like, we got away with something oh. comedies. I think there's a lot of really funny stuff in it. It's, like, really on PC now because it's about, <clears throat> like, a like a scam with a special needs class and everything like that. But like if you get on its wavelength, there's like a whole set piece where like, um, like the Jeff, the Jeff Daniels hostile kid 
is like covered in chocolate but then it looks like there's poop all over a bathroom and mm-hmm, then like mm-hmm. bob saget comes into the bathroom because it's his house and he's just like there's shit all over there's shit on the wall <laughs> there's shit on the roof and it's just like if you're on that wavelength all right it's pretty funny is this streaming on hbo max yeah okay good yeah um and then i watched uh better luck tomorrow uh which was technically a 2002 sundance released but as if it were so simple, it was released in 2003, um, so it counts for this. Um, it was just kind of interesting to see, like, the beginnings of Justin Lin. Yeah, right. I think it's even funnier now that they're just, like, retconning that this is Sung Kang's Han from... <laughs> because I'm just like, he was party to a murder. I'm like, so I'm rooting His for- own. Yeah. So it's like, is justice for Han that he's finally going to get arrested yes! for the death of <laughs> John Cho? <laughs> that's what the hashtag has always been about. Yeah. People want to see Han behind <laughs> bars. Yeah, exactly. But I thought it was it was good, but like I I watched thirteen for the first time this year and I'm just like tapped out on the whole like Oof. bad kids yeah. thing and um Did you see Catherine Hardwick's name in the Robocop credits? I by did. The way? Yeah, Wild, what did she right? do again? Uh she used to be like a production designer or yeah, something. That's right. Okay. Yeah, um but yeah, Better Luck Tomorrow was maybe a little bit better than I remembered. Okay. At the time, I think I was just like, ooh, MTV Indie. Nah. And then like, <laughs> now I'm just kind of like, oh, this is interesting like to see where Justin Lin started. I remember liking it, and I yeah. haven't seen it since the theater. Yeah, it's the same movie, but it's pretty good. Did you think about reviving the spirit of Roger Ebert just to get in an argument <laughs> with him about it? He was arguing. He was on, on the, the right side. Behalf, oh, yeah. He yeah. was definitely on the right side. Yeah. But I just... Yeah, just to see what he would say now. I feel like yeah, he should no, but I mean, like the, the whole th- his whole argument was just that Asian characters should have the right to be anything that they want to be in a movie, including murderers. To, yeah, including murderers. <laughs> but it's just like, um, that whole gimmick of you know the kids who go wayward, right? Um, it was so like codified by Larry Clark. Mm. That like anytime I see thirteen or Mean Creek or uh, like Better Creek Luck too. Tomorrow or something like that, it's always the same thing. It's just like we killed a kid and we buried him six inches down, and it's like, <laughs> and then they're we kids, told, they're stupid. and then we told everyone, and then by recess we're all in jail. Like it's just like the same movie. Did so. you ever see River's Edge? No, that's I saw like that's the, at the New Beverly, so I want to rent it. It's the yeah. proto version of the movie you're talking about. Okay. It's so good. I know. I keep hearing that. So good. Uh, and then I got a few more. All right, yeah. I'll go through them Woo-hoo. quick. Um, I f- watched Exotica. Yes. Um, I watched like the first half of it, went to bed, woke up two weeks later <laughs> in the middle of the night and finished Exotica. Um <laughs> And it wasn't because, like, I disliked it. I just forgot that I was watching it. Okay. Because it was on YouTube, and there's no, oh, like... Oh, really? Yeah, that's how I watched it, was they had somebody uploaded the whole movie on YouTube. Weird. Um, it's really good. Yeah. And not what I expected. Yeah. Um, I, this was only my second Adam McGoyan movie. I saw Chloe, which is, like, yeah. kind of his 90s trash thriller. Right, right. It was made in, like, the 2010s. Um, and... It was interesting just to kind of see, like, he always um, finds, like, a unique angle to, like, these sex-driven yes. movies. Yeah. And, like, Exotica, like, really nails that strip clubs, the experience of going to them can be much more sad than salacious and fun. Okay. 
And um, I'm not saying that, like, you, anyone's wrong for having a good time. I've had a good time at clubs, but, like, I've also had a lot of sad nights <laughs> at clubs where, like, a stripper is just like, do you have a girlfriend? And I'm just like, no. And then she's like, you shouldn't be here. And I'm just like, <laughs> it's like I'm too good for it. Oh, like I was, it. That, And that was kind of nice. But, like, yeah. there's been other times where I'm just like, where it's like somebody comes over and you like, you want to dance with somebody else, but like you feel bad saying no, and then like you're forty dollars out and stuff like that. It's just like it's it's tough. a lot to negotiate. There's a lot to negotiate. Wow. There's one time like you never get the song that you want. Sure. Like um, sometimes like are, there's talking in between, like before the next song. Oh, starts. got it, got it. And I remember. One I thought you time, meant like in the song. No, no, I, that would be even weirder. I, I remember like that one always time, wear sunscreen song you get a lap dance to, and it's yeah. just Baz Luhrmann t- giving you life advice. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good one. Vitamin C. Uh, <laughs> always wear sunscreen, and I'm just like shake it. Um, no, there was one time when I it was uh, I was get, having a dance, and the girl goes. Um, She's like, why did you pick me? And I'm just like, do I what? really need to say this? I'm like, because you're hot. I don't know. <laughs> and then um, she, and then I was trying to make small talk with her. And yeah. then she's just like, and I'm like, what's that tattoo? And it was like a date. And she's like, oh, that's the date. I tried to kill myself. Oh, my God. Like, she's like, you want me to break off that dance now? And I'm just like, I don't know. <laughs> Like, do I have a choice? There was one time I got, like, trapped in a champagne room. What's today's room. date? <laughs> there was one time I got trapped in a champagne room accidentally oh my gosh. where she's just like, do you want a private dance? And I just thought, like, we were going to go, like, into a corner. And I'm in a champagne room. And I'm and she's like, let me tell you the rules. First, it's $400. I'm like, I'm going to like you. Holy I mean, cow. There was one time I... I, I Spent so much money there that, like, I got T-shirts and golf balls, and I'm like, I really overdid it. (laughs) I haven't been to one in a long time, but, like, I had my heyday. Um, So there was um, (laughs) – that's when you know you fucked up. Where, like, the owner's coming out. He's like, are you having a good time? And I'm like, please leave me alone. When we get to talking about the rookie, I just want the Blu-ray to come alive and say, why'd you pick me? (laughs) You rented this. (laughs) Um, So – Exotica, I really like. It, it's such an interesting, sad character study, but yeah. it's not even like one character. It's like yeah. everybody, and like it's so interesting how it like any other movie would culminate in like violence. Correct. But this one, it's like these broken people. It's like Magnolia. They're finally right. like I, I, I've hurt too long. Yeah. Like let me like try to find some healing in this. But it's so interesting how the relationships kind of form and uh yeah i just bruce greenwood's awesome he's always awesome yeah it's like not as sexy as love lights hanukkah surprisingly <laughs> even though mia kirshner is half naked throughout most of the movie i was like irritated with the elias kateas character for a lot of the movie yeah like i am sort of by design because yeah. i like him as an actor mm-hmm. and then when it starts to come into focus i was like oh okay i get it but like when he's just doing his weird beatnik strip club freestyle i was like what the fuck is this yeah it's he's like dj love daddy but like it's like (laughs) will you please be quiet there's even like a scene where like trying to listen to always wear sunscreen is just like i'm trying to talk to don mckellar over here (laughs) right don mckellar is such a weirdo i like him almost every movie he pops up in i'm just like this is a good movie but he's such a weirdo i've never seen Last night, have you? Yeah, it's great. Okay, yeah, I, need I, to see I only it. saw it the one time because okay. it's like pretty heavy. But yeah, it's, it's, it's one. Of, it's like an end great. of the world movie, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. 
Uh, and then I finally saw House Party 2. Okay. And I really liked it. Nice. Um, I'm a big fan of the original House Party. Uh, House Party 3, I vaguely remember being kind of funny, but like I tried watching it again and it wasn't as good as I remember. House Party 2, um, for some reason, it was just like something I never got around to. The music's great. It's fun. The thing that I really liked about it is it's so influenced by the passing of Robin Harris between the two movies that it's neat that it comes into focus at the end that it's a movie about kid finding father figures. Okay. Like Tony Burton is like works at the, the kitchen and the faculty hall, and he's sort of his boss. And then there's like a professor that um, that kid like you know, is looks up to and wants to earn the respect of through through his academics and even play is kind of like trying to help him out and like financially support him at the end of the movie and everything like that. And it's just like the sweetness of it just kind of really um, made it special in a way that like, you know, even though the first movie is like better, right. the first movie is much more straightforward, you know, let's have a good time. The only thing it's kind of really commenting on is just like maybe class because like, not as much as another movie I can yeah. think of. Which movie? Called Class Act. Yes. Yes. Um, but yeah, I liked it. And then, real quick, I know I'm going long. No, um, you're fine. Did you Have you watched the remake yet on HBO Max? I'm not going to. Okay. It doesn't exist. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I was looking up who directed mm-hmm. House Party 2, and I don't, I'm not familiar with their work. No. Um, I for, I looked them up, but I forgot what they did. I was surprised to see that like Rusty Cundiff was like a story by credit, I yeah. think, on that one. Yeah, yeah. He was um, like, what if there was another house party? And they're like, Rusty, your credit is solid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Parties from the hood. <laughs> no, it's a pajama. Jammy jam. <laughs> Welcome <laughs> Jammy Jam. One of the funniest jokes that I didn't even pick up on because like House Party 2 is not a movie that demands your attention every second. <laughs> so I was kind of like on my phone a little bit. Yeah. Um, they definitely talked about how to navigate um hiding erections through pajamas oh, wow. and i okay. thought that was really funny because i wasn't noticing what was going on at first and then you just see a bunch of guys covering their crotches <laughs> and i'm just like yes that would be a problem at the pajama jammy jam <laughs> um and then uh this morning i so the music box is doing like a zemeckis uh retrospective yeah. this week um playing most of his movies um so I watched a couple that I had not seen. I watched Welcome to Marwin, which I avoided because I heard it was a disaster. Yeah. And it's not. It's okay. like a mess and it's kind of embarrassing at times, but like I think it's really compared to Pinocchio and compared to which I don't hate, but like is not very good and compared to the witches and stuff like that where like Zemeckis feels completely like a director for hire wilderness period <laughs> type of thing. I thought like this was definitely him and had some interesting, like kind of awkward commentary about his own career. He has some interesting things to say about, um, the male gaze in the sense of, you know, Steve Carell's character has these dolls that are, they're, um, proxies for women that he knows in real life, like Leslie Mann and Isa Gonzalez and Gwendolyn Christie and stuff like that. And it's like, it's like a weird like responsibility of your own fantasy thing where it's just like are you objectifying these women by like play acting them okay. it, it, and things like that and he some of it's kind of I don't think they go far enough on it but like cuz they 
it starts as like this is his therapy to kind of right the wrongs and these women are protecting him but there is kind of like you know cracks in the scenes where it's just like this is just another version of sexualizing or objectifying and things like that so it's an interesting movie and i think all the stuff with um it's his most successful in my opinion of all of his mocap stuff okay because like the all of the scenes, all the VFX of, um, or the CGI of like the dolls coming to life is great. Okay. It's just like really engaging to look at. Cool. So I, I was more a fan of it than I expected to be. That's good to hear because that's, we were just talking before we started recording. That's one of the few that I still have left to see. Yeah. How did you watch it? Uh, I rented it from the library. You rented this. Yeah, I rented this. <laughs> um, and then I watched I Want to Hold Your Hand right yeah, afterwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Which I had never seen. I watched um, that yesterday. I like it. It comes together for me at the end. Um, it's exhausting. <laughs> it is, yeah. Um, I wish it reminded me a lot of like Detroit Rock City. Where it's I, the same movie. Where I wish they had a little bit more weight to the why of it all. Okay. Like, what is it about the Beatles that, like, and I get like sometimes it's just very superficial. It's like something, it's like. You know, I you hear music and it moves you and you can't explain why and stuff like that. But, like, I think that it's just so kind of – I don't mean it completely as a negative, but it's so one note and it's so yeah. manic yeah. and hysterical. Yeah. Like, I'm sure people have overdosed on like, and died from watching Eddie Deason performances before. <laughs> and this is, like, insane. But I think, like I, – I liked it. I just think that Zemeckis does the craziness better in used cars. I think it, like, really comes together yeah. where it's funnier and not as – it's exhausting, but it's way funnier in used cars than it is in I Want to Hold Your Hand. And it's weird how often that part of him comes back throughout his career yeah. in movies that don't always work. Like, Back to the Future 2 mm-hmm. is a direct descendant of I Want to Hold Your Hand. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't – love back to the future too no i'm i'm not a i i used to say that like that was my least favorite of the back to the future yeah. and then i recently rewatched three and i take two all day over okay three. I, like, I haven't seen three in so long two i think is like really great at what it's trying to do i just think that i uh it the mean-spiritedness of it yeah. it kind of reminds me of like batman returns where it's just like it's so ugly and it's kind of perspective that i just don't enjoy watching sure it. yeah i'm gonna rewatch two and three this week yeah um i thought nancy allen and wendy joe sperber were both really funny and i want to hold your hand i laugh so hard when wendy joe sperber jumps out of the moving car <laughs> to like go to the payphone i thought it was really funny and i liked um forgot what her name was um there's one actress who is um she's paired up with the guy who plays jimmy olsen in superman Teresa saldana Teresa saldana and i made the mistake of like what's up with Teresa saldana and then i read her like really kind of sad like history oh i never have yeah it's like she had like a stalker situation and it resulted she survived but she was attacked and stuff like that and that kind that kind of took me out of the movie a little bit but like i think she's so engaging in this movie and really fun and i like where those two characters end up at the end i yeah. think that that whole punchline is like really cool and a cool way to close out the movie yeah um but uh yeah i i i'm glad i finally saw it it wasn't as good as i wanted it to be but i think i'll like it more if i see it a second time i this was probably my second or third time and yeah. no matter what it still feels like a first movie yeah you know but like what a great 
you know, first did bad for a director. Sure. Yeah. And you can see a lot of just even like the weird proto Forrest Gump with like yeah. merging reality and fiction and trying to use technology mm. to put the Beatles in the movie, even though they're not in the movie. You know, I thought yeah. that was pretty cool. Speaking of first movies, did you listen to that interview with Rob Zombie and Jim Hemphill about the 20 year anniversary of House of a Thousand Corpses? No, I did not. I will send you the link. It's Thank like you. an IndieWire podcast. It's like a half hour interview. And Rob Zombie's just like, he has so many kind of interesting takes on House of a Thousand Corpses now and kind of like how he feels about it. Oh. And so you get some of like the, the production history and kind of like from his perspective, like what happened, but also just him looking back at his first movie okay. uh, 20 years later because he said that it was like he put it away for a long time and he didn't see it re- un- again until re- fairly recently. Okay. And like the stuff that he liked and the stuff that he wouldn't do again and stuff. I'm into it. It's cool. Yeah. yeah. It's a good interview. Thank you. Yeah. Hampel is like, he's. A guest sometimes on Dana Buckler's show, and he's always, like, one of the best guests. He's just so good at getting good stories out there and never making it about himself. He's just a solid interviewer. Nice. Yeah. All right. Um, I think I'm going to stick to only talking about Zemeckis movies as well, just because I've been in such a Zemeckis zone. Yeah. Because the Music Box is doing this retrospective, and I can go to basically none of it. I've just been doing my own retrospective at home. Mm Mm-hmm. So Friday, I had originally wanted to go do the double feature of What Lies Beneath and Used Cars. Mm -hmm. Couldn't. Did it at home. First time seeing What Lies Beneath since 2000. Okay. It's always going to feel a little bit like an exercise to me. Yeah. Because it kind of was, right? It Mm -hmm. was like, this is a movie we shot to keep the the crew of Castaway Mm -hmm. employed while Tom Hanks was losing weight. Transformed. Yeah. So it's a little bit of an exercise, but, like, it's a really solid exercise. And I got super depressed watching it because I just was like, look, here's a movie with two stars over 40 Mm -hmm. uh, that made over $100 million. Yeah. Yeah. And it's uh, really good. It's like a showcase Michelle Pfeiffer performance. She's great in it. Harrison Ford good, kind of playing against type. Yeah. Uh, He's kind of like, I didn't kill my wife. What did I? (laughs) I don't know. It tries to marry, like, reality and the supernatural in a way, and I don't mm-hmm. think it fully comes together. It almost needed either more or less of the supernatural stuff. Mm-hmm. And I wish it was a little more set-piece heavy because once we get yeah. into, like, the last act where it's real set piece mm-hmm. it's on fire. Like, yeah. it's so great. Um, but yeah. it takes a while to get there. Yeah, it's a good brother's going to turn. <laughs> yeah. um, the red herring thing with James Ramar. Yeah. I haven't seen the movie many times. I see it maybe like two or three times and it's been a really long time since I'd seen it, but I'll never forget like how funny the joke is about James Remar killing his wife. Like after yeah. she finds out that it's not true. Right. Where they're at the party and right. he's just like, ah, <laughs> <laughs> it's like one of the funniest things. <laughs> he murders her that night. You know, he does. Yeah. That's <laughs> Remar. I saw his dick. It's cool. Oh Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Um, yesterday, I saw Allied for the first time. How's that? I walked out of it when I tried to watch Interesting. it. Interesting. Why? I just... It was the second movie I saw back-to-back with something else. Okay. And that was back when I was trying to watch every movie because I felt like I owed it to F this movie. Not that I'm... I no, owe no, no. less to F this movie <laughs> no, now, no. but in 2016, I was like, I owe my fans <laughs> a comprehensive top ten. <laughs> Having seen every film... 
And uh, love like Tonica. I'm just like I will bust my ass to this bleed for this Monday 4:45. Um, but no, I yeah. And then I was watching Allied, and it was like I left real early where it was okay. like somebody parachuted. At yeah, the that's beginning. like the first shot, and I was just like, I'm out. I thought it was such a cool first shot because yeah. there's the way the depth perception is handled by the camera, you can't tell when his feet are going to touch the sand and it goes way longer than you think it's oh, okay. going to. It was like very tense for me. Cause I was like, okay, now he's going to touch. Yeah. Oh, oh okay. Now, mm-hmm. now he's going to touch. Yeah. I want to watch it. I haven't, that's one of the two that I have left to see. I had no interest in it in 2016 and yeah. partly because it had been a long time since Robert Zemeckis made a movie that I liked. Yeah. It didn't really – the subject matter didn't particularly interest me. I wasn't like into a World War II period mm-hmm. spy drama. Yeah. Um, I think having lowered expectations going into it now helped. It's not like one of his best, but it's pretty solid. Marion Cotillard I think is really great. Brad Pitt is giving one of his like slightly more lifeless performances. Okay. Which is a bummer because he's playing more of like a normal guy and he doesn't do that super well. Yeah. Um, but – and my other complaint is that the movie doesn't look great. It has kind of a digital sheen to it and there's some shots where I'm like, that looks like green screen. And yeah. that's just how movies are now, you know, even though this movie's seven years old, right? Yeah. 2016. Is there anybody else in it besides those two? Lizzie Kaplan shows up for like okay. two scenes. Okay. Uh, what's his name? Uh Richard Harris's son, Jared Harris. Jared Harris, thank okay. you. Yeah. I could not come up with his name. Yeah. Uh, he's in it. Okay, but it's mostly the two of them. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I thought it was a lot better than I was expecting it to be. Okay, so it's a Marwin. Yeah. 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 When you were talking about Marwin, I was like, yeah. a lot of this applies to Allied. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's streaming on Amazon Prime. Cool. Yeah. And then the last one I'll talk about is I revisited Romancing the Stone. That's the other one I have to today. See. Yeah. Part of me is, like, so worried about you seeing it because it's what? a movie so close to my heart. Like, I think it's so good. Even if I don't like it, I won't tell you. No, I know, but I want you to like it. Okay. <laughs> so I'll feel sad Should if you I don't. I watch Jewel of the Nile first? No. So I know the grass is greener on Don't ever side. watch Jewel okay. of the Nile. Um, I want to say it was Rob a couple of years ago watched Romancing the Stone for the first time. I was kind of like, eh. Mm. I was like, really? Yeah. I love it. I think it's so good. Yeah. Um. I have a feeling I'll like it because I'm really in the bag for Kathleen Turner in the 80s. Oh, man. She's so great in the like, movie, she's too. She's so good in, like, Peggy Sue Got Married yeah. and Body Heat and, like, all that stuff. So. It was annoying me that Michael Douglas was top billed over her. And I know oh, that's okay. because he was a producer and he mm. kind of had big dick energy at the time. But this was, like, the at movie the time. that... Well, all the time, but, <laughs> yeah. I mean, a different kind of energy, I guess. Energy has to catch up to big dick. <laughs> This uh, was like the movie that kind of broke him as a movie star, which is to say made him mm. a movie star, not mm. not destroyed him as a movie star. Um, yeah. Because he had been trying for a handful of years and never really... Yeah, because he was like in coma and like... China Syndrome, he's like a supporting actor, I think. He was in some movie from 83 that I watched a trailer for that I think Peter Himes directed... I forgot what it was called though. Interesting. I want to say the final countdown, but I don't no, know I know exactly the one you're talking about. Yeah, uh, like the something. Something. It's like a secret society type yep, of thing. Yep. 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 Yeah. Yep. Oh god. But yeah, damn you're it. right. Like I think Romancing the Stone was kind of the movie that sort of made him a lead. Yeah, yeah. and he's really great, and he's so never like a lead. he's never played this kind of part again, which bums me out because mm. he very quickly pivots. 
It's not Peter Hyams. Damn it. Oh, the Star Chamber. Yes, it is. Okay. Um, That's what it was. He very quickly then pivots to, like, Fatal Attraction, Mm -hmm. Wall Street, like, just kind of playing a bastard. Mm -hmm. And he has bastard tendencies in Romancing the Stone, but he's like a Han Solo, like, roguish romantic lead. Yeah, and I could see him doing that. He's so much fun. He's, like, really funny. Mm Mm-hmm. And he doesn't get to be funny very often. Yeah. Uh, I just love Romancing the Stone. Yeah. I'm looking forward to watching it. Yay! I will watch it and Allied probably tomorrow. I'm going to push your mic a little closer to you because okay. it's not picking you up as well as I would like it to. All right. What should I repeat that I said? <laughs> no, you're fine. Low. <laughs> um, it's rookie time. All right. So as we've done so far this year, I would like to read the newspaper quotes. for the Yes, week. please. Let me know. If you Are they read. all from my dad? <laughs> uh, I paid name? for my son's ticket to buy his love. Yeah. I mean, your dad is Jeffrey Lyons, right? That's the, I'm brothers, Ben Lyons. Ben Lyons yes. Oh, you're Ben Lyons. An epic of size brother. and scope. Oh That's why God. I say that about most movies. Oh my God. Okay. All right. You ready? <laughs> I'm ready. All right. Pat Collins from WWOR TV. The best buddy cop movie of the year. Clint Eastwood and Charlie Sheen are the new dynamic duo. <laughs> you agree? Sure, yes. They they replace Batman and Robin. <laughs> Jeffrey Lyons from WCBS Radio. WP, I'm just not going to do that. All right. Tough and gritty. It fires with a full clip. Clint Eastwood and Charlie Sheen are terrific together. Sure. It okay. does fire with a full clip. I can't argue with that. Susan Granger from American Movie Classics. This slam bam action packed thriller packs wallop. <laughs> By the way, people kind of still do this on Twitter. Yeah, it's just critic speak. I know. Except they try to sound smart and not right. like hacks. Right. I need to I need to search it out. There's they some sound movie real hacky. <laughs> there's some movie called like Junket Horror that I've come across <laughs> and it's like I think Travolta was like a talking head in it and there's like a few there's some other actor I just looked up like recently who's also a talking head in it and I was just like I need to see if I can find this somewhere can we quickly just sidebar and talk about the RoboCop screening last night because um, Mike Schindler who puts the trailers together was really doing it for us Mm -hmm. because he put the living daylights followed immediately by no way out and he put the airline stewardess thing because I sent it to him. Oh, really? Yeah, because <laughs> I was like, awesome. I'm like, it's like Maya Hawk playing Diane Keaton. <laughs> <laughs> but I was just so excited yeah. that my favorite Bond movie is followed up by a Kevin Costner no movie. Way out. And then they're like, and Will Patton. And I was like, that's for both of us. Yeah, anyway, yeah. they knew what they were doing. Yeah. All I'm right. looking up Junket Horror, but I can't find it. Okay. It's probably like one of those movies that's out of print, but it's on YouTube. Documentary 1998 doesn't say where i can stream it and my just watch app has not been working all right i bet it's on youtube okay hopefully all right all right and then david kerr from chicago tribune yeah the most spectacular action sequences eastwood has ever filmed i think it's maybe the most ambitious i mean that might be true yeah because as you pointed out he doesn't make a lot of like straight action movies yeah and then this is from wikipedia it's not a critic but this is my favorite. Um, it says author Marshall Julius. Okay, offered, I know the name Marshall Julius. Offered an almost entirely positive review when he said, "I give this film three and a half guns." <laughs> As directed by Eastwood, the rookie is deliberately silly. Knock is a deliberately silly knockabout adventure, which aims for outrageous and hits a bullseye. We're talking good, dumb fun, and here's where it gets great. 
get your brains out and the beers in and you're all set. <laughs> Julius knows how to throw back a keg. Yeah, wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Wow. I mean, it's 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 written by Scott Spiegel and Boaz Yakin. Was Boaz Yakin the guy who directed Remember the Titans? Yeah, baby. And Scott Spiegel was a writer for a lot of stuff. He's a Raimi guy, right? Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah, that's where I know him from. And I think he does, like, From Dust Till Dawn sequels, maybe? Sounds right. Um, so it's written by, like, people who know the genre, mm-hmm. I would I would argue. Yeah. Um, Clint Eastwood knows how to direct, and I think it has one spectacular stunt, which I'm getting way ahead of myself, but it's all the way at the end when the car drives away from the explosion. Then Eastwood makes the unfortunate decision to cut inside the car and have his character say, fasten your seatbelt. It completely ruins it because it comes in the middle of, it's like one, if they didn't have that, it would be one sustained great two part stunt. Yep. But his... Uh, intermission joke <laughs> right, yeah. fucking ruins the whole thing. <laughs> Which is so weird because yeah. he's inserting a laugh into a movie that never really decides to be a comedy. Clint has a joke problem in this movie. Yeah. Because he does that a couple other times I can remember. It's all like kind of trailer lines that he's got where there's what you described where he says fasten your seatbelts mid-explosion while right. cars... It's the cars don't fly thing from fast and furious seven right right, um and then there's a scene at the beginning where it's a real sweaty setup where it's just like who's in the car and then the henchman says santa claus and it's just so eastwood can shoot the windshield and say i'm the tooth fairy which Um, isn't funny which isn't funny but i imagine like one guy in a theater being like (laughs) they're all right clint (laughs) like that's for all right clint um and then there's another one where um charlie sheen is who has a weird arc with dogs in this movie where it's like it pays off where it's like finally he could kill the dog <laughs> um but like he's that's a horrible thing to call sonia braga <laughs> we'll get to sonia braga she's not a dog but she's i know something. she's not she's scary when you spit water on her <laughs> like it's weird because it's like sonia braga is like um you know She's a, a human being and a woman and everything like that. And she looks like a human being and a woman. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But when you spit water on her, she looks like the gargoyle from Tales from the Dark Side. <laughs> it's weird. It's like it just like it's like Radon Chong's she just transformation. Starts, you promised. <laughs> you promised you'd never tell. <laughs> I loved you. I have that burned in my memory. Um anyways. So the dogs. Yeah, so the dogs gargoyles too. <laughs> so the dogs. And then like Eastwood is holding a gun on the two dogs, and the dogs are, like, basically, like, it's like a freeze thing. And I'm like, do dogs know what guns are? Like, would they know to freeze? I don't know. But then Eastwood just goes, what, now why don't you read them their rights? And I'm just like, oh, God, that's for all right, Clint guy. Yeah. It's like, he's not, it's that line where it's like, and it's weird, because he is still the cool guy, but in this, he's not cool. It's like, when you're it's like when say like hypothetically your dad is trying to like make a joke at your expense to intru- to impress your friends <laughs> and then you're he thinks it's gonna kill and then you walk out the door and your friends are like why is your dad an asshole it's like and then you have to explain actually he's not but right. it's like that <laughs> that definitely never happened to me in real life 
<laughs> uh, my dad used to call me Patty in front of my uh, friends. Yeah. Or like if Doug would come over, he would say like, hey, girls. And it was hilarious oh, every time. Everybody would love that. Yeah. Everyone loved it. It was just funny because he misgendered us. Yeah. Um, Dads. Eastwood and Sheen having a real rasp off in this movie because mm-hmm. Sheen's all, I got you some donuts. And Eastwood's <laughs> a little more like, I got you some do- I can't do it. Like <laughs> Your Sheen I sounds can't... like you're Eastwood. It, yeah. You I, yeah. Sheen's a little more what? Like, so Eastwood's like, I got you some donuts. And Sheen's a little bit more like, where are the whores? <laughs> I don't know. The first... Uh, Sheen's like, I don't like the way you draw. <laughs> the first... You do your what I'll do Sheen. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Which one of us is going to do Lara Flynn Boyle? Oh, boy. I'm worried about you. She has a very thankless part of it. Oh, this. my There's, gosh. Okay, so she, she... The second henchman in this, or the yeah. number two... The yeah. number three guy, because Sonia Braga is the number right. two. Liesl. Yeah, Liesl. Um, the number three guy, who's probably also German, we'll get to that, um, <laughs> is like the detective who busts Ernie Hudson's balls from in The Crow. It's like that guy. Yeah. Um, there is a scene where he's violently attacking Lara Flynn Boyle, who plays Charlie Sheen's girlfriend. Right. And in the scene, there is a shot where you can definitely see crew people. <laughs> And Clint Eastwood is one of them. And it's hilarious because he's also <laughs> an actor in the movie. So it right. looks like Clint Eastwood's just like in his basically like Lacoste outfit, like right. in the corner being like, oh, that's good. Thank God this is one take. <laughs> that's lunch, everyone. <laughs> Where's that baby from American Sniper? Yeah. I want to see it turn into a gargoyle. <laughs> you promised <laughs> you'd never tell. <laughs> I loved you. But, like, how fucking weird is it that, okay, so Lara Flynn Boyle, arguably the female lead of this movie. Sonia Braga, the second most prominent female in this movie. She's the Gudenoff. The third is, like, Sheen's new partner at the end, whose only function is to be sexually harassed for one shot. Is where she they... sexually harassed or just hazed? Well, they, I don't remember. Do they sexually harass her? The sign that they put on her back is like, I want your sex or something. They like, put a sign on her back? Yeah, just like they did remember, to Sheen. I remember they put the sign on Sheen's back, but I don't no, know No, they why. literally repeat the whole thing beat for beat. It's such that. a weird choice. I missed the sign on her back. And it's like, I want your sex or something like that. It's not kick me. It's like, yeah. definitely they sexualize her because that's what go. you do to the lady cops, bro. Yeah, that's how, that's how we show that we're all one. <laughs> we're all a unit. We make you feel bad. The very first uh, trivia fact on IMDb. According to the book, Clint Eastwood, a cultural production by Paul Smith. During the early stages of principal photography, Charlie Sheen had substance abuse problems. Like, no fucking kidding. That's not movie trivia. That's just science. Yeah. Yeah. He's, um, should we talk about the Charlie Sheen of it all? Yeah. Okay. Charlie Sheen is one of those guys like Steven Seagal where I'm never rooting for him in a movie. Okay. But I can enjoy his performances because there's nobody quite like Charlie Sheen. You're never rooting for him because he's like a dirtbag as a person? Kind of, and he usually can't help but, like, I can only think of maybe a couple of movies where it doesn't seep into the performance. Oh, yeah, I see what you're saying. Like, L- Lucas. Platoon, like Platoon, he's like... You know, wet behind the ears, right. like looking for mentor. It, that's another thing I want to get to. Like Charlie Sheen had a very weird beginning of his career where it was always like he was the young guy and there was a the mentor. Rookie. There's 
the rookie yeah. in Platoon, it was like a battle between right. Berenger and Defoe right. in Wall Street, obviously. It's Michael yeah. Douglas and stuff. That was yeah. kind of like the shtick with him for yeah. a while, where it was just like, which you know, way am I going to go? And I kind of like that, actually, that trend in the 80s, because they did that with a lot of guys, where it was like, all right, you're ready for the big leagues, kind of, but let's test you out to yeah. see if you pop, yeah. and then we'll give you your movie. And, um, yeah, but like I said with the Seagal comparison, I think Sheen is just, I don't, I never like him, but I'm always like entertained by his weird energy. Okay. So I don't know. I don't know. I like him in Lucas. Like, I think he's a really Mm -hmm. nice, decent stand-up guy in that movie. Yeah. Obviously, I love Ditch Brody. Sure. Terminal but, velocity. But that's because he's kind of being made fun of. Yeah, he's Jack Burton. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that movie rules, by the way, everyone see Terminal Velocity. Yeah, but I mean, like, he's kind of a doofus in the Major League movies. Yeah. And it's fun to laugh at him. Right. Um, he's fun to laugh at in Hot Shots. Like, he's a good comedic per- actor. Like, that's... I think what he figured out is his strong suit, yeah. which he didn't quite get to by the time he made The Rookie, although he was in Men at Work, and I think he directed Men at Work, right? Emilio did. Emilio did, yeah. yeah. That, so they did that that year, and that was a comedy. Right. Yeah, he That's did like same four or five well. movies that year in 90. Wow. It was like The Rookie, Men at Work, Cadence. Okay. And then there was like a couple others. Hmm. Um, hmm. But uh, yeah, I mean, like, I think this is like, I won't say it's like the best time in Sheen's career, although it might be, but it's definitely when he was making the best movies. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. Navy Seals is the same Navy year. Navy Seals was the one, yeah. Cadence, the rookie, something called Courage Mountain. I think that was one of those, like, Meredith Salinger co-star things. I'm into it. Okay. I could A be movie wrong. with Meredith Salinger and Chuck Sheen. Yeah. Juliet Caton. I don't see any Salinger. Looks like an Italian production, maybe? Yeah. Weird. Yeah. Huh. I've never seen it. Yeah. Um, But yeah, he's weird in this movie because I don't know if he's like trying to like, I don't know, show respect to Eastwood by not peacocking him or something because he's sort of muted. I mean, like, I guess that's the character and the character's, like, written really badly, I think. Oh, yeah. Because they set up this thing where, like, him and his brother, when they were kids, are hopping roofs. And then his brother falls to his death and yeah. he feels responsible. But his yeah. answer to that is, I will become a police officer. Why is that backstory there? I think it's just to give him something to overcome. Okay. Because it's, like... He has to, he has this whole thing where it's just like it's time for them to be afraid and me to stop being afraid. Okay, so that's I think what it is. I think he's just kind of because they that they also set up like as a rookie though, like yeah, and they have this whole thing at the beginning where it's just like why didn't you want to be in this division? Why did you choose like basically like Grand Theft Auto right, and stuff like that, right. which is ostensibly maybe safer than robbery homicide? I think was the other one. Um, you mean homicide? Ho- as Clint Eastwood, I'm glad you mentioned that because that was one of my notes. Homicide, homicide, yeah. Grand Torino. Homa is where the homicide is. 
I find myself, and I like <clears throat> Clint Eastwood. Yeah. And I like buddy cop movies. Yeah. And I like 90s action movies. Mm-hmm. So this movie hits a lot of my sweet spots, even though I recognize that it's not that good. Yeah. I find myself more compelled by the Charlie Sheen stuff than by the Eastwood stuff in this movie. 100% agree. I think the first hour sucks, and I think it gets better in the second hour when it turns into a Charlie Sheen movie. Yeah. And Clint Eastwood is kidnapped and held hostage. Which- and raped. Oh, my God. We'll get to that in a second. But I do want to say something. Like, when they're kidnapping Eastwood. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of times in this movie where Raul Julia and Sonia Braga have two pistols on people. And there's 50 cops with guns. (laughs) And I'm just like, guys, you probably could get it done. (laughs) You probably did not need to let... Clint Eastwood get into a car and right. drive away to be kidnapped when you have 50 police officers, <laughs> each with a weapon pointed at two people. Like, yeah. all they had to do, like, well, the captain had to do was just be like, her back, him head, right. and then, like, right. we're good. <laughs> well, like, and it's like, we don't want to kill Clint Eastwood. He's yeah. too important to our department. And then their answer to, should we pay the ransom is, now nah, we got to let him go. Like, yeah. we're going to have to let them kill him because we can't come up with that kind of money. Yeah. Only Tom Skerritt has that kind of money. It sets a bad example if we let right. other criminals right. know that <laughs> we'll pay it's to like get we will let back. our cops die. It's very weird. Um, we should mention the fact that, that Sonia Braga is a Brazilian actor. Raul Julia is I think they, Puerto, Puerto Rican. Rican. Yeah. yeah. And they're both playing German. Yeah. Neither one makes any attempt to do a German accent. They're just given German names. They're called Kraut many times in this movie. There's a scene where there's talk about drinking German beer. Yeah. There's and they're at a restaurant which looks like kind of like this little like Ivy Tavern on the Green type thing, like an outdoor fine dining restaurant. And like the henchmen are eating spaghetti and beer. <laughs> like there's a couple with wine. As if they know better. (laughs) But the rest of them are eating spaghetti and drinking beer. And that made me even think back where I'm just like, if I go to an Italian restaurant, can I even order a beer? Like, I'm sure. It just would never occur (laughs) to me. No, they have them. I want, if Elk Grove ever adds... uh, The rookie to Smash Code? Well, that's what I'm going to say. Like, (laughs) dining... Oh, we're no. going to do screenings of The Rookie, and we're going to serve <laughs> spaghetti and beer. Oh, it's going to be the best night of your life. There's a certain rest, or a certain uh, movie theater in Chicago that has dining, and it's remarkable how quickly I've turned on that theater. Yeah, no, I get it. Like, I see the schedule with it, and like the stuff that would have made me so excited like two months ago, I'm just like... The Wizard, I'll watch that at home. <laughs> it's a lot of work and a lot of money. Yeah. But if they were doing rookie screenings with spaghetti and beer, yeah. I might consider going. Yeah, and if they did like Charlie Sheen mystery movie marathon. Well, now you're I would go. speaking my language. I saw a Brad Pitt mystery movie marathon yeah. when I went to the one in Austin and it was amazing. Yeah, that seems I've I've like warmed to, warmed to that idea so much more. Mhm. Because once upon a time, I remember JB talking about like horror movie marathons where they don't tell you the lineup. And I'm yeah. like, I could never do that. That would just cause me too much anxiety. And now if they were like, we're going to do one for Chuck Sheen, I would for sure go. Because I know I'm going to see four bangers. 
It was kind of fun, like, with the process of elimination, because you knew if you saw the trailer for one before the movie, you're just like, okay, like, it would be like a breath of fresh air where you're just like, yes, we're not watching <laughs> Legends of the Fall. Like, they show the trailer for seven years in Tibet three times, and you're just like, oh, for sure we're not watching that. Thank goodness. Yeah, and then the fourth movie, Seven Years in Tibet, and it's just like, you broke the, code, the unwritten code that you had with the audience. At the same time, yeah. I could go for seven years in yeah. Tibet. At the same time, bad week for Tibet. <laughs> At the same time, bad week for Richard Gere. <laughs> Um, so I can't really defend enjoying this movie to the extent that I do because I recognize how sloppy it is. Yeah. But I do enjoy it because, again, I like Clint Eastwood and Charlie Sheen in action movies and 90s movies and buddy cop movies. Mm -hmm. And so there's, like, enough there that I'm like, it's slick. I enjoy it. Yeah. But it's so half-assed, you know? Yeah, it's very, like... I don't know if this is true. I heard it in the Ebert, uh, the Cisco and Ebert review. And I don't know if it was speculation or if this was actually what happened at the time. But Cisco said something to the effect that this was his favor to Warner Brothers for letting him make White Hunter Black Heart. Interesting. Okay. And if that may, if that's true, this makes a lot more sense. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because that was like his passion project, right? Which and I still is, haven't seen. That's I haven't seen that one. Never seen. But yeah. he's so good. Yeah. Um. But that this one is kind of like, yeah, I'll give you some commercial shit. Like, right. I'll, you know. And yeah. this movie did okay, right? Like a lot of Eastwood movies. I don't think it did that well. Okay. I think it was one of those movies that maybe had like a good opening weekend or like a respectable one, and then kind of just like. As the holiday movie season continued, it just sort of kind of went away really quickly. Huh. I'm trying to find the... Uh... Let's see. Ooh, yikes. No, it did poorly. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it cost $30 million and made 21 Yeah, that's not good. No. No. No, even, no. Even, even in the time of, uh, you know, Windows, where, like, you would make money on video and yeah, you'd make right. money on cable and right. stuff like that. Yeah, that's not going to break. It's definitely you. a cable movie. For sure. Yeah. yeah. It's definitely like a video movie where it's like yes. you throw it on a shelf at a West Coast video or blockbuster and people are like, I get this immediately. The rookie, these two guys, I'm bringing it to the counter. I definitely was too young when I saw this movie to understand the rape scene. Yeah. Uh, and I definitely was too young to understand that like Clint Eastwood is constantly putting weird sex stuff in his movies. Yeah. I heard this is the only scene that required three or four takes. <laughs> I think we need to go again. <laughs> we didn't get it quite right. <laughs> Put the bullet in my mouth harder this time. I didn't get enough water on you. <laughs> <laughs> For that gargoyle effect. <laughs> what if we had, instead of four monitors, we had eight? <laughs> right? Because it's being recorded and it comes up again later. It's yeah. so weird mm -hmm. that, like, this is... And weirdly enough, this was, like, one of the things that I remembered about the movie yeah. in between the years where I didn't see it. Because for a long time I didn't see this movie. And, like, I remembered it being, like, oh, this is one of the few instances in a Hollywood movie where a woman rapes a man instead of vice versa. Yeah. Which is not, like... Not progress. A ribbon to put on your movie. No. <laughs> I was interested when I was reading, like, the reviews at the time... <clears throat> How even then people were like calling that out, just really? like about how strange it was, yes. and like 
what possessed Eastwood to put that in there yeah. and like that it was like a vanity thing in like some very twisted way. It was it was interesting. And then like that Sonia Braga, who at the time, I guess, leading up to it was like intriguing up and coming international star. Oh, no. And like this was like an embarrassment to her oh, no. or, or like a yeah a mark on her career and stuff like that. Thanks a lot, Eastwood. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't remember. Sonia Braga was in like a Tales from the Crypt episode after this or maybe the same year. Um, it was one with. Dylan McDermott and Cleavon Little. It was one of those like medical experiment ones. Oh, there's a not lot a very, of medical experiment yeah, it's ones. Not a, it's not a very good one. Um, but yeah, I don't remember too much of her career after this. Like, I remember a lot of Alice Braga movies because there was like a five year span where she was like in every third movie. Yeah, there's. Yeah. I mean, there's movies that she made like Kiss of the Spider Woman. I've never seen. I think that was the one that Raul Julia and her kind of were. Yeah. Kind of popped off from. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I've never seen it. Milagro Beanfield War, I've never seen. Moon Over Parador, I've never seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's in From Dust Till Dawn 3, The Hangman's Daughter. Maybe Scott Spiegel was like, bring mm-hmm. me Braga. Yeah. Uh, she's in Angel Eyes. I saw that, the Jennifer Lopez movie. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, she hasn't done. I feel like she did an, an arc on um, Sex in the City that I might have seen. Mm. Yeah. But. She did a lot of, uh, looks like a lot of TV. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, maybe it's a good time to talk about the villains in this movie. Sure. The German villains? Um, Sonia Braga, I think, like, the outline is there for memorable villain. Sure. And I don't think it's anything that she's doing that's wrong. I think, like, there's a certain star power to it um, yeah. where... You know, especially in the scene where, like, they're telling her and Raul Julia to freeze and she's just like, I'm just going to walk forward at you and see what happens because I'm going to call your bluff and I think you're a big pussy. And, like, I think that scene, like, works because of her. Like, I think, like, whatever she's doing in that scene, like, elevates the the movie for a few minutes. Um, And I think Raul Julia, in everything I've seen him in, is great. But in this and... Him and Braga don't have anything. It's like they're not a. It's like they're restricted in some way. It's like they're not a. This movie screams out for colorful villains. Sure. Like in characterization, like yeah. just to be over the top and big, and like steal of the movie. And it's like they're being yelled at off camera. Dial it down. <laughs> dial it down. It's weird. Well, the way they're written, they're like a little bit incompetent and yeah. they're like – they feel they're at the scale of like TV villains. Like they would be like yeah. the villains on an episode of Miami Vice. Yeah. Or like in License to Kill or something like well, that. Well, now, maybe. Yeah. It's strange that um, – Did this movie need Robert Davi? Yes, it did. As the rookie? <laughs> yeah. You know, as everybody. <laughs> um it's really strange how um and I'm not, you know, a an expert by any means in chop shops, but you have misled me um for sorry. a number of years. Sorry. That'll be on another show. I told you enough about my strip club career this time. The chop shops will be later. Why'd you pick me? Why'd you pick me? <laughs> 
why'd you pick me? That's not rookie? the that's not the weirdest thing I've ever heard from a dancer before. <laughs> really? I have a friend who once got kicked out of a club for telling a stripper you're pretty like my mom. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> it is. I'll tell um, you off my cool was. You can probably guess, but uh, yeah, I um, I'll say that the this I'll tell you after the show. I'll say it on the Patreon maybe, but the person said a line that she must have seen from Dust Till Dawn a lot of times. Interesting. And she was like, "Lowly dawn," and it seeped into her consciousness, Blow and it head. just came out of her mouth. And I when it, when she said it, I was like, I want to be anywhere else but here. Oh my gosh! Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> I might be putting it together, but we'll see. It's when the dancer turns into a vampire, and then she says something. Okay. Oh yeah, now I don't have it. Okay, I'll remember. I'll what close it is. out the show by saying, "Okay, thank words. you." <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so, um, where was I? Oh, the chop to... shop thing. Oh okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It seems like a small potatoes operation. It doesn't seem like you're a criminal. It's like a huge, it's a criminal enterprise, but like, it's like, I love the movie Metro. Yeah. But when I watch Metro, I'm just like, all of this for diamonds? Right. Where I'm just like, you're really overextending yourself. (laughs) And that's how I felt with The Rookie, where I'm just like, this is a lot for cars, parts. Yeah, you're not wrong. But again, like, I he's just like I want my two million dollars, and right. I'm just like the, with the collateral damage you're doing, you would think it's like two hundred million dollars. Right. Yeah. There's something that I like about the sort of low stakes of it all. Yeah. Uh, because that would never fly in a movie now. Yeah. But I agree with what you're saying in mm-hmm. terms of like it's a lot of work for not a lot of. It's weird because, like, Running Scared is the one that does it exactly right, where it's just like Jimmy Smith is like, my Coke. And he's just like, he's got like a duffel bag of Coke. Yeah, and that's what it's about. And, like, the action gets a little, like, heightened, but it's not, like, crazy. Like, you would think that it would. Well, I take it back. They did have a chase <laughs> There's on that the one L. chase, yeah. <laughs> and that, yeah. Um, Everything I'm saying is wrong. <laughs> They're not blowing up entire buildings. They're not running through airport terminal- right. terminals. Right. <laughs> Have you ever been to an? If I if you go to the airport, it's my second favorite Spielberg movie. I would recommend getting there early, <laughs> going to the Sabaros and the Terminators. I am Victor Navorsky. You know what the funny thing about Terminators is? Terminal. I did the best on my ACT in English, let alone I'm saying Terminators. <laughs> um, yeah, no, yeah. I I also thought it was weird at the end where. Sonia Braga and um, Raul Julia are running all over the place, like in a in, air, in through an airport, and um, <laughs> Sonia Braga gets like she's like shooting cops, yeah. like while people are just waiting for their flights, yeah. And then Charlie Sheen murders her at point blank range, which yeah. he didn't have a choice. I get it. But, like, it's in front of a lot of families. Yeah. <laughs> it's just kind of like, eh. He also made a little show of it because yeah. he calls her amateur first. Cause he's like, remember when you did this to me? Yeah. Where are the whores? Yeah. And then Raul Julia comes out of, like, the conveyor belt at the at the baggage claim. Yeah. And I all the people are just like, it would be great if somebody tried to pick him up. <laughs> and they're just like, oh, I thought that was mine. I story. wanted him to hide in a suitcase. And Clint yeah. Eastwood is just <laughs> unzipping suitcase after suitcase and finally gets to one of Raul Julia all tucked in. And then he does uh, the Mr. Freeze thing where he's like, hi. <laughs> <laughs> Would this be a better movie if he was playing M. Bison? Yeah. Okay. He's great as M. Bison. He's, I mean, he commits to everything. He does. You know? I miss like, that guy. 
I feel like everybody in this movie, Mm -hmm. with the exception of maybe Clint Eastwood, commits. Yeah. Eastwood's coasting a little bit. I was surprised to read in, like, Ebert's review. He was, like, really taking Charlie Sheen to task. And I'm just like, I feel like Sheen is trying. Yeah. He's very intense in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um... And I think the best stuff in the movie is his kind of like fuck it moment where he just yeah, like he goes and beats up a bar. Oh my god, does he beat up that bar? <laughs> like, and that's kind of great because you expect it like it's a Clint Eastwood movie, so right, you expect right. it to go like he'll dial it up to five and they dial it up to twelve, and you're just like, <laughs> yeah, all right, Clint. But again, that stuff yeah. to me completes his arc so you don't need the stuff with the brother it's so bizarre that it feels like it's in there from an earlier draft of the script it does yeah yeah because like there's nothing that happens like towards the end of the movie that really pays that brother piece of it off right it's not where he tells clint eastwood to jump from one rooftop to another yeah like does it it like it would be so hacky and shitty but at least it would (laughs) like make sense yeah Yeah. exactly yeah it's strange (laughs) Um, I think that the movie for me has a weird, it's just a weird movie, but like it has a really weird energy. Like I, it's so shaggy and it's so like the score is all wrong. Yeah. Um, and it's so darkly shot. Especially that first half, because we were both texting to each other like this looks like a Peter Hyams movie. Yeah. It should be slick. Like, yeah. I mean, even, like, Hyams had, like, the Presidio, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it should be slick like that, or it should be slick like... You know, Warner, like, was making Lethal Weapon movies. They were two in by then. Like, you would think that it would have some kind of pop, pizzazz... Right. Showmanship, technical craft, like that, but, like, this is so soggy by comparison. But that's why Eastwood is so much better suited for, like, those, like, half-assed... Afternoon mysteries, mysteries. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. With like a, just a different energy, he's not a kinetic action guy. No, yeah. I mean, if this was like Craig Baxley and stuff like that, like this would be so much more fun. Yes, uh, and I, you know, talking to you about this movie makes is more enjoyable for me than watching the movie. <laughs> but like, I have certain things in the movie that I enjoy. So okay, like yeah, it. But um. Yeah, it, it does make you think, like, because especially one of these lists of the better or worse, it's for 90s buddy action movies. Oh, wow. There were enough of them in the oh, in all the 90s, all not the 90s. just 1990. Yeah, okay. all the 90s. And, yeah, like, they're all going to be better. <laughs> almost all of them are better. Like, at least 75% of them are more, even if they're not, like, good movies, they're more effective at what they're trying right. to do than The Rookie. Is my affection for this movie, just not to get too weird and personal again, but, yeah. like, is it just because of the circumstances under which I saw it? This was, like, one of the first movies that my dad took me out to mm-hmm. after leaving my mom. And I went back and, like, spent the night at his apartment for the first time. Like, it's all connected. Was this something that, like, you were missing and it's, like, you were happy to have it back? Like, some kind of semblance of normalcy with it? Well, it was, or- like... I don't want to say it was the first time he ever, like, really paid attention to me, but yeah. it kind of was. Like, okay. it was individualized attention mm-hmm. that I almost never had as a kid. Yeah, I could see that. I, I mean, like, know. where it was kind of, like, filling in a... Yeah. Or it's, like, a special moment that, like... Yeah. And this could, that this yeah. became the thing that we did. Like, mm-hmm. we went to movies. Yeah. And we saw everything. Yeah. Starting with The Rookie. Yeah. I mean, like, you hear that kind of... You know, the cliche version of that is that... 
like in city slickers and daniel stern is just like my father and i couldn't talk about anything but we could talk about baseball it's like that like sometimes it's nice to have these little you know kind of things to socially lubricate a relationship (laughs) yeah for us it was chuck sheen movies there Um, we go why is city slickers so good and why can't anyone make a comedy anymore Okay, I'm glad you brought that up because I just rewatched City Slickers last month because okay. it was leaving HBO Max. Okay. I haven't seen it in years, and but I know it's good. Not to get – I don't want to hammer on this too much because it's not what I want to do. But I've been not, – not right now, but like I had a few weeks where I was like really down. And I would go – my, my thing was like you know I would go for a walk. That usually would help. And then I come home and I would put on something and okay. then like sit and sit and it helps sometimes like when I'm really stuck, I'm just like, I'll just go on HBO Max and whatever in the moment in the leaving soon section, that's what I'll watch. Okay. So that's how I end up on Larry Crown or that's how I end up on it. But I watched City Slickers and I was like, and the City Slickers was so cool. This I've always liked City Slickers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm just realizing now by talking to Rob recently about running scared and then I just rewatched when Harry met Sally and stuff. I'm just like Billy Crystal had a moment where he was like sexy, cool guy. Yeah. <laughs> it was interesting. Um, but this was the first time I ever watched City Slickers where I was older than the characters. Oh my gosh, I don't think I have. And um it hit different. Yeah. You know, and it was it's cool. It's like um, Eric Childress, who we know, uh, who's a Chicago critic. Um, he said something really cool on Facebook today about Back to the Future, where he had said at one point that Back to, Back to the Future is any movie you need it to be mm-hmm. when you watch it. Mm-hmm. And I feel that way about City Slickers, where like if you need it to be a fun Western, it can be that. If you need it to be kind of like a midlife crisis movie, it could be that. Um, there was a moment where like I even paused it because like there's a scene where Bruno Kirby, Daniel Stern and um, Billy Crystal are on the trail together and they're talking. They're just making conversation, just killing time. And one of the conversations was like, you know, what's your best moment? What's your worst moment yeah. of your life? Yeah. And like I paused it and I was just like, I need to think about this because yeah. like I never thought asked myself that question. And it was, uh, yeah, it's just not something that, like, happens much when you're watching a movie where it's, like, it poses something. And then I love kind of where it lands with, like, the Billy, like, Jack Palance as, you know, what's that one thing that means something to you and stuff. And it could be corny, but, like, the fact that his, and the thing that I love about it is, like, his thing is that he saved this cow. Yeah. (laughs) And, like, it's something that he would have never come up with on his own in New York. Right. And it's like, it's never the thing that you think will be the most meaningful thing, but like, it'll catch you by surprise. And that's the thing. Yeah. Like, it's, I, and I think that's such a, a truism and such like a hard thing to describe without being corny. And the fact that they do it with him and a baby cow and right, it's like not right. trite or stupid. <laughs> and they saved all of that for the sequel, <laughs> which I never saw. It's horrible. Really? Okay. I wanted to burn down the blockbuster when I returned it. Is it also 12. Ron Underwood? Uh, I don't think so. Okay, probably not. But yeah, Ron Underwood went to do Speechless after that. Underrated movie. I can't find it anywhere. Okay, it's out of print. It's not streaming. Interesting. Oh, um, this is uh, Paul Wyland. Yeah, I don't know. 
Who are it's, you, Paul? It's, oh, it's Leonard sad. Part Six. Oh, Jesus. Why He's they... a British guy. Yeah, it's sad that Billy Crystal and Bruno Kirby had a falling out after. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, they were like really good friends, and then apparently, like they had a big falling out over something with City Slickers in between the first one and the second really? one, and then they never talked to each other again. Oh my gosh! You know, that so. bums me out to hear stuff like that. Yeah, some sometimes when I go back and like anything early '90s Daniel Stern, I'm just like, man, we didn't know how good we had it. Like Daniel Stern, it was just like such a solid, yeah, comedic actor. At the time. That's how I felt about watching fucking What Lies Beneath. Yeah. Like, this was just a movie that you went to see on a Saturday afternoon, and yet it was like, it's so much better than 90% of what we get now. Mm-hmm. And to your question of, like, why can't we get this now and yeah. stuff like that, I think the answer is because people cared about what they were doing back then. Like, City, like, City Slickers was, it could have so easily been, like, a concept movie yes. and been lazy. yes. And, like, I can see a hundred Chevy Chase versions of this that right. are just, like... And Chevy Chase has done some good movies, but, like, just, like, half-assed version of it. And City Slickers is obviously a movie that was kind of, like, gestating for somebody. And, like, they had a lot to say. And they had a lot of, um, you know, wisdom to impart. And the characters felt like real people. And that's one thing I've griped about on Twitter where I'm just, like, what happened to movies where it's, like, humans talking about human experience right. and like exhibiting human behavior and stuff. Cause like, I'll take all the fantastical stuff that you can give me. Like, I don't care, but like impart human behavior right. into these characters. Right. right. So, but yeah, yeah. City Slickers, I think is just timeless. It's great. It's so good. I, yeah. It's so much better than a, a different version of that movie would have been. I have two questions. One, yeah. when you said you come home and you put something on, yeah. I assume you mean your majestic robe. <laughs> of course. Okay. Um, yeah. I used to turn on Tales from the Crypt marathons on yeah. the YouTube channel yeah. Glamster's Crypt. Okay. And it just got taken down. What? Because he got uh, he put up something violation. that had a copyright violation. Isn't so his that entire all the channel. Tales from the, Tales from the Crypt? Aren't I those guess, all a copyright But I violation? found this other channel, nice. and it's called um, Crypt Tube Incorporated. <laughs> and every episode. Oh, YouTube. Every, every episode is formatted in uh, upscale to 4K. Whoa. So all the shit that I was watching was like blurry versions. Yeah, so right. now I'm just like, I need to rewatch all these episodes <laughs> because now I can actually see what's happening in them. Patreon show rate the 4k transfers. Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, my other question, yeah. you watched Larry crown on about to leave HBO max. Yeah. And then you bought it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. Um, there's so much to say that that should be its own show. Okay. It really should. But I will impart this. I think, Brian Cranston is giving like one of the greatest outlaw cinema performances in that movie. He's Julia Roberts' husband. Yeah, who was like addicted looks at, to porn. But it's like him. It's like women from the 1930s in bikinis, and that's the <laughs> version of porn. And I'm sorry, but that's like, called dame porn. I, if if your kink is looking at women who are dead in their bras. Just nobody should tell you otherwise. <laughs> like, just enjoy it. That's your kink. Right. Have fun. Yeah. I just think it's so funny because he's just like, I'm a guy who's being a guy. Oh and I'm just God. like, what is this script? And like one of the things I like about it is it was written by Hanks and Nia Vardalis. That's what I thought. I was just going to ask you that. 
And I have such a good ear for Nia Vardalis lines. <laughs> so there's like a scene where she's like a woman in the class is just like, that's what we, that's what we women do. We take you men and we make you better. And I'm like, Nia Vardalis line right there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that's it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. When you were talking about movies that like inject the human experience, yeah. all I could think about was The Rookie. Because the rookie is a movie that does that. Hopping roofs. Lara Flynn Boyle is concerned about her cop husband. Are they married? Oh, no. I'm sorry. They're just dating. Fiance, maybe? I don't know. I don't know. There's a few things in this movie I have questions about. Um, There's probably a lot of things. Um, What city does this take place in? Do they ever say? I assumed it was L.A. Okay. But I will try to find out. Um, why is he so sweaty at the beginning of the movie when he wakes up from the nightmare? <laughs> because he's having a nightmare. Yeah, but like, it's like, I've, I've had nightmares before where you wake up in a panic and stuff like that, but like, I've never been that sweaty <laughs> and I'm way heavier than Charlie Sheen is. So like, you would think I would perspirate a lot more than he would. <laughs> it was shot in LA. It doesn't okay. say where it takes place, but I just assumed it was LA. All right. Um, I like the end credits is a still frame of a hallway where like Clint Eastwood's just like hold on the hallway that's a good looking fucking hallway the IMDB trivia says that more stunt people were employed than actors I saw that yeah it's fucking wild yeah that's pretty cool that means that whole bar was stunt people except for the guy playing the bartender who I've seen in other stuff they thought they were making the raid This movie is the raid of 1990. Sure. No, <laughs> Predator 2 is the raid of 1990. Predator 2 is a better 1990 movie. Yeah, it is. Um, I wrote down, mention when Sheen crashes the mito- the motorcycle through the front door, because I think that's one of the best stunts in the movie. Yeah, for it's sure. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Because I like when... I like when people crash through stuff and they're just like, don't know where they're going to go, but they're just like, we got to get through here. I so. got to save Lara Flynn Boyle. Yeah. He sounded like Nicholson, which I'm sure he did say that at some point. <laughs> he did because um, they dated. Which, by the way, I hate that whole fucking thing where they're just like, look at Jack. He's he 85. Looks, he, he looks, looks fine. Like, he looks exactly like Jack Nicholson, except that I don't even think he looks 85. He's not even in the public eye anymore. He's retired. Let him have his fun. Right? Um... Let's see here. Oh, the scene where the captain out of nowhere like yells at those two cops and he just goes, it's not a job. It's a fucking adventure. Yeah. It comes out of nowhere yeah. for that character. Yeah. And also that's not police. That's like right. the Navy, right? right. Yeah. Yes. Um, they were Siskel. Uh, Pointed out how racist the movie is against Latino <laughs> actors. Yeah, I can see that. It's, yeah, it does seem like everybody in that bar is yes. threatening stuff like that. Right. You know? um, it's also, to be fair, though, it's also misogynist. Yeah, it's equal opportunity. <laughs> right. Um, if you're not Clint Eastwood or Charlie Sheen, you are mockable. <laughs> um, I wrote this movie needs pop songs. Okay. Like, like this movie, like. I just take such umbrage with the score because the score is like this jaunty bullshit and it's like jazzy, which I should right. be such a surprise right. with. But like, it's all wrong. Like this movie needs like taking of Beverly Hills music supervisor. <laughs> no more. Yeah. When he's what beating up the bar. This? <laughs> and then they show like Charlie Sheen's brother falling off a building. He's like, what is this? <laughs> Roof falls. What is this? 
Blood splatter. What is this? <laughs> you want to jump some buildings, Billy. <laughs> R.I.P. Billy. Yeah, sorry, Billy. Um, oh, Billy. Yeah, I like that the bar is called La Casa Blanca because that's an idiot's version of Clevis. <laughs> um, I like the Sheen bar scene where he blows fire in a bartender's face. Yes. But I don't like that he shoots the dog and that's no, I don't even fills his arc. Yeah. Um, I this is also one of those movies where it was a thing in Tango and Cash also where cops are nightly news and like in right. the newspapers and right. stuff, which is weird because like that should be life, but it's not. Right. It's almost always just when they do something really bad. It's yeah, not like and it's usually a spokesperson. It's not like yeah. we interviewed Detective mm. Nick, whatever his fucking name is. Yeah. It's not like you ruined the last Barnes and Noble, like going <laughs> after, you know, right. Mr. Oliver. I do like the scene where he's yeah. being interviewed, though, and he keeps dropping F-bombs. Yeah. I think that makes me laugh. Clint would do that. Yeah, of course. Um. All right. Let's see. Why does Clint Eastwood's character have so many framed pictures of himself in his apartment? <laughs> He's a narcissist. Yeah, he totally is. He's just like, I was a stock car driver, and I'm the only person worth having a photo of. <laughs> um, let's see. I described this as the Yule Log of buddy cop movies because okay. it's so darkly shot. Oh, right, right, right. At I least in the first half. Like, yeah. You want to just put it on TV and then stick your TV <laughs> in your fireplace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um... Let's see. And then the Eastwood cigar thing. He's got a cigar. He's like, that's his Bonnie Hunt cigarette and kissing a fool. pays off, though. Yeah. He gives up smoking at the end. That's just because he doesn't have a light, though. That's right. Yeah. Kid. Mm Mm-hmm. Kid. It's just, it's so weird because I don't know what their relationship is. It's like, no. Oddly professional. Mm-hmm. But also very unprofessional because it's a movie. But like, there's no real tension between them, and no camaraderie either. It's like no, it's closest... like what it would be like if two strangers were paired up. Yeah, because like Eastwood hazes him a bit at the beginning yeah. because he's Sheen is sort Your of badge like a... is on upside down. Yeah, it, but like, it's not because of anything Sheen is doing. It's just because he's there, right? And because he's the new partner, right? Um, and yeah, he kind of, like, their closest thing with camaraderie is that Sheen can fix things. So, like, they he both fix, know motorcycles. He fixes Eastwood's motorcycle. Um, later, he fixes, like, the radio so they can... But even in that scene, like, they're throwing punches at each other, but, like, then they're just like, cool, you fix the radio. Right? It's that like, doesn't totally pay off no, the yeah. whole punching and catching thing that's just Eastwood yeah, and peacocking then, again. And then, like... You know, he's a dick to Charlie Sheen the whole movie. And then, like, Sheen's just like, scare it. Give me $2 million. <laughs> right. Which, by the way, they were just, like, going to go, like, spring him anyway. So, like, when were they going to give him the money? They didn't get the money, so I don't know. It's very weird. I don't know what the plan was. Yeah, I don't know. They should have <laughs> sent in fucking RoboCop. Agreed. Yeah, imagine if RoboCop was the rookie. I would like this movie better. That'd be great. Yes. It's just like, like they're, <laughs> they drive off of the roof while the factory is exploding, but it just sinks like a stone because an 800 pound robot is in the passenger seat. That's in your seatbelt. <laughs> um, okay. Better or worse? Let's do it. All right. Better or worse, The Rookie or these other 90s Clint Eastwood directed movies? 
Okay. Okay. So you have not seen White Hunter Blackheart. Correct. Okay. Uh, the Rookie or A Perfect World? A Perfect World is better. The Rookie or The Bridges of Madison County? Never seen it. I haven't seen it either. The Rookie or Absolute Power? <laughs> They're both pretty lousy. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, I totally could be in the mood to watch either one of them anytime. It's on HBO Max. Yeah. yeah. Like, mm-hmm. uh, so I'm going to say, I'm going to call that a tie. Um, the Rookie or Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. I'd rather watch The Rookie. Uh, and then The Rookie or True Crime. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go True Crime. It's got Pussy Man. But I feel like I'd rather watch The Rookie. <laughs> <laughs> like, Because, again, The Rookie is just more the kind of movie that I like, even if, though it's not a good example of mm-hmm. that movie. Yeah. Uh, but True Crime is probably a better movie. Okay. Because right. it's more Clint's speed. Yeah. Okay, and then um, uh, next category, the, All right. uh, better or worse than these December 1990 movies. Oh, shit. All right, The Rookie or The Grifters? The Grifters is better. The Rookie or Havana? Never saw Havana. Uh, Edward Scissorhands? Edward Scissorhands is better. Look Who's Talking 2? The Rookie is better. Look Who's Talking 2. <laughs> Look Who's Back. <laughs> um, Mikey has a sister. Her name is Roseanne Barr. Is Julie <laughs> co-starring Damon Wayans as another baby <laughs> and Mel Brooks as a toilet? <laughs> and the toilet says, "Give me that poopy! I want that poopy!" <laughs> it's that's one of the funniest part. That's the only funny part of that movie is Mel Brooks as the toilet because it's like this, this like anamorph. What's it? What do they call it? Anthropomorphic. Anthropomorphic toilet. Yeah, that looks like something out of Pee Wee's Playhouse. <laughs> And it's shouting so oh, much. Pee-wee, give me the poopy. It's shouting pee-wee. so much that toilet water is spitting out of the <laughs> oh lid. God. It's so funny. Um, uh, did, and that's Amy Heckerling, right? She did yeah. the sequel? Yeah, she that's cashed upsetting. in. I mean, yeah. good for her for yeah, cashing she, in. Yeah. But God damn, that movie sucks. Yeah, yeah, it does. It's been like twice as good as three, though. It is, um, all the, except for the end credits song. <laughs> You should play this at the end. Of, that song at the end of this Please, episode. That is for a very special episode. Okay, yeah. All right. Um, and then uh, The Rookie or Mermaids? I like Mermaids. I'm going to give it to Mermaids. The Rookie or Almost an Angel? Never saw it. The Rookie or Awakenings? Never saw it. Refused to see it. Why? Because I don't want to be bummed the fuck out. It's a good movie. Um, That's the, what I hear, and I'm sure it is. But The Rookie or Mel Gibson Hamlet? Never saw it. The Rookie or The Russia House? Never saw it. Where were you in December 1990? My parents were divorced. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't take me to see these movies. The Rookie or The Bonfire of the Vanities? Uh, the Rookie is probably better. <laughs> Tie. The Rookie or Kiki's Delivery Service? Never saw it. The Rookie or Kindergarten Cop? Kindergarten Cop is the, better. The Rookie or Godfather Part 3? Uh, Godfather 3 is better. Okay. And then next, last category... Uh, the Rookie or these 90s buddy cop movies? Oh, shit. The They're... Rookie or Another 48 Hours? <sighs> I'm going to give it to Another 48 Hours, even though that movie is deeply flawed. It's more slick. A bad Walter Hill movie yeah. is probably better than a bad Eastwood doing action. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, another Stakeout. I mean... Showdown of the Brothers <laughs> Estevez. Yeah. If you put them both in front of me, I'm watching The Rookie. Uh, Bad Boys. The Bad OG. Boys is better. Yeah. Uh, Beverly Hills Cop 3. The Rookie. Blue Streak. I'm watching The Rookie. Bulletproof. 
Uh, I mean, I love Ernest Dickerson, but I get sad when people shit on Bulletproof because I like Bulletproof. I need to rewatch it. Okay. I did buy it for like $5 yeah. at a 7-Eleven. It's almost like one of those movies where people like don't include it in the Sandler conversation. Like for it sure. didn't exist. Yeah. It's weird. It's yeah. a good movie. All right. I need to rewatch it. Um, Cop and a Half. Never saw it. Cops and Robertsons. Never saw it. The Corrupter. Uh, the Corrupter is probably better. Die Hard with a Vengeance. Hey, bro, I'm a Corrupter. <laughs> I haven't seen it. Is it worth watching? I think so. Okay. Yeah. All right. It's you know part of that new line. I'll take golden it. Golden Age. Um, Die Hard with a Vengeance is better, even though I don't really like Die Hard with a Vengeance. Uh, downtown. It was Anthony Edwards. I never saw it in Forrest Whitaker. Yeah, I never saw it either. Yeah. The Glimmer Man. <laughs> the Rookie's better. Uh, the Hard Way. Hard Way. Uh, heart Condition. Never saw it. I Come in Peace. I Come in Peace is better. I knew that. Uh, <laughs> Have you la- seen it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Last so, Action Hero. Last Action Hero is better. Last Boy Scout. Last Boy Scout's better. Lethal Weapon 3. Lethal Weapon 3 is probably better, although I'm not a huge Lethal Weapon 3 guy. Lethal Weapon 4. Fuck Lethal Weapon 4. The Rookie is better. <laughs> Loaded Weapon 1. Loaded Weapon 1 is probably better. Can I do a quick sidebar on Lethal Weapon 4? 100%. There's a part at the end of the movie where, like, Rene Russo is giving birth. Yeah. And then, like, her and Riggs get married while she's giving birth. And there's no priest, so a rabbi comes around. And there, and she's, like, in she's, you know, in labor. So yeah. she goes, mm, rabbi. And, like, it's hot. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's, like it, I think it's hotter knowing that Mel Gibson was just fucking seething the whole time. Totally, <laughs> like, but I don't know. I'm mean, just like Rene Russo moaning, mm, Rabbi. Just like <laughs> it's like yuck, knocked my yarmulke off. Um, all right, Weapon uh, Four sucks. I haven't seen it in a long time, but I I know it's not good. It sucks. Yeah, <laughs> and again, Richard Donner, like bad Richard Donner in theory should be better than bad Eastwood action but yeah. I would take the rookie over Lethal Weapon 4 um, maybe alright what's more racist Lethal Weapon 4 mm, or the rookie don't make me choose <laughs> <laughs> um, okay uh, the rookie or Loaded Weapon 1 Loaded Weapon 1 is probably better have you seen that recently no I watched it like maybe within the last two or three years it's funnier than I remembered it being really? okay. yeah I think it's just because of my nostalgia for 90s cop movies yeah. but like there's some really funny stuff in that movie i'm much more of a chuck sheen guy than i am an emilio guy yeah yeah um, which isn't to say that i dislike emilio estevez mm. but he rarely does it for me in movies yeah i could see that yeah um all right the rookie or men in black men in black is better the rookie or metro metro is better uh money train money train is better point break uh toss up <laughs> <laughs> uh rising sun the rookie is better <laughs> rush hour i haven't seen rising sun since the day it opened when i saw it with my mom because yeah. i had read the book because i was like yeah it's that fucking thing that i used to do where like oh everybody's into jurassic park i'm gonna find a different Crichton novel and it wasn't even like on purpose but like my sister read mad magazine so i read cracked like mm-hmm. I wasn't being contrarian, but I definitely was, like, trying to seek out something other than the big thing. It's like you wanted something for yourself. I guess, yeah. Um, I'm going to read the quotes from the ad, the the review quotes <laughs> from the do. Rising Sun ad <laughs> because I sent this to, this to you. Um, 
Philip Kaufman's witty, luxuriantly sinister mystery, a thrilling and eerily suggestive tour of a territory whose boundaries are maddeningly elusive. (laughs) (laughs) Hold on, I'm not done. (laughs) A thrilling and eerily suggestive tour of a territory whose boundaries are maddeningly elusive, murderously fluid. What? <laughs> That's from the New Yorker. Surprise. Jesus, did that writer get fired? <laughs> and then gritty stylistic. executed. <laughs> gritty stylistic and so sexy. Best picture of the year. Doesn't the woman get murdered yeah, after it's somebody like, has sex with it's her? like sex crimes. <laughs> what yeah. is sexy about Rising Sun? Oh, I thought it was murderously elusive. <laughs> Um, what the luxuriously sinister (laughs) those are two words Um, okay the stripper said dinner is served (laughs) (laughs) did she get fired (laughs) listen we heard what you said I'm sorry but you gotta pack your shit this might have been at a strip club that had two for one coupons like Wonka tickets (laughs) what it was scores. It was called scores. I know of scores from Stern, like in yeah. New York. There was one in like the south side of Chicago or oh. suburbs, maybe okay. south suburbs, maybe. Okay, it was way out there. But yeah, they had like. Did it survive COVID or is it gone? I haven't been there since '05, but um, I remember. I would look it up, ben- but my search history would not like that. I remember there were benches and like it was just like a lines of guys getting dances. And um, like the urinals at Wrigley Field, basically it was like troughs, <laughs> yeah. and there was um, two for one coupons like all over the ground. Like there was no like redeem system; like you could just pick it up again and use it again. It was not like two for one. Like my friend gets in with me, or two for one. Like two dances for the price of one. Two for one. Like nobody's looking. Pick it up again. Keep reusing it. But like, like the coupon. What are you redeeming? You give it to them, right. and like that's the lap dance. Okay, so that's what I'm asking. Yeah. You get two of what? They were Wonka tickets, so for it a wasn't lap dance. two admissions. No, okay, no. And two I remember dances. also, um, there's some clubs where you can't drink, and there's some clubs where you can. It has to do with like how naked they are, right? Something like that. Okay. But like this was like they there were no rules at this place, <laughs> so like so I, it was like. Uh, What's the fucking restaurant with the Outback? Is it Outback? Somebody advertises <laughs> yeah, no that's, rules. That's exactly what Outback Steakhouse <laughs> is. There's no, Littered in two there's one no rules at this place. <laughs> I'll have a blooming onion. But no rules blooming Didn't onion. Then I serve, mate. <laughs> I'm going to give you a big one because there's no rules at this Outback Steakhouse. Um, the, okay, so. I apologize. My name's Quigley. I'm going down under. I apologize. These are true stories. <laughs> I hope these don't come across as misogynistic in any way. I'm just trying to like say funny stuff that happened at a strip club, but I'm not objectifying anything. I say that as a lead up to this. <laughs> I said there's no rules at this place. So yeah. this was one of those places where like there was fully nude, no you could drink. Okay. People had alcoholic drinks on the stage okay so like on the side of the stage by your table you could put up like your miller light bottle and stuff like that (laughs) one of the funniest things i've ever heard in my life is a girl was dancing she did a roll like a sexy roll okay and she goes ah a bottle (laughs) (laughs) 
because she rolled on top of the bottle. Yikes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Did she pick up the bottle and say, why'd you come here? <laughs> why'd you pick me, <laughs> why'd bottle? Why'd you pick me, damn it? I why'd fucked you up the pick line. me, bottle? Why'd you pick me? All right. A few more. Yeah. Uh, the Rookie or Rush Hour? Rush Hour is better. The Rookie or Showdown in Little Tokyo? Showdown in Little Tokyo is better. The Rookie or Split Second? I like The Rookie more. The Rookie or Stop or My Mom Will Shoot? I don't. If I've seen it, I've forgotten it. Okay. So I'll say The Rookie. The Rookie or Theodore Rex? The Rookie. The Rookie or Top Dog? I never saw Top Dog. The Rookie or Wild Wild West? The Rookie. Okay. It's weird how much I wanted to pick The Rookie over a lot of movies. Yeah, you're in the bag for The Rookie. I didn't think I was, but then as you're reading these, I'm like, I feel bad, like I'm cheating on The Rookie <laughs> by admitting that, like, oh, Showdown in Little Tokyo is much better. Would you say you did it all for The Rookie? <laughs> I feel like we both did. <laughs> I was more like you could take that cookie and stick it up your ass. <laughs> is that the next lyric? Yeah. Oh, God. Like, you could take that cookie. Let's stick it up here. Why were they a thing? They had a couple of good songs. No, they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> they really didn't. If the mood strikes, I get I could get down with Roland. I think I like Roland just because it reminds me of like the Fast and Furious trailer. Yeah. The same way that like uh there's, there's another a, there's a stain song that reminds me of the Thomas Jane Punisher trailer. Yeah. And it worked in the trailer. That's but, the uh, thing. Like I can't I can't acknowledge that the song is good. Yeah, you can. Uh, if you enjoy it. No. In a context. <laughs> I can't do it. In a context. <laughs> that's what I that what I that's what I would call my strip club is in a context. <laughs> no bottles on the stage, please. Uh, a bottle. <laughs> Are we done talking about the rookie? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening this far because <laughs> we're almost at two hours. Oh, we are? Yeah. Well, the rookie's you and almost I two tend hours. to go long. That's okay. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah. They're fun. Yeah. No. And we talked about like a billion other movies. Yes. Many the, tangents. Top. Yeah. Yes. Because I always try to limit it. So I'm like, it has to be between like five and seven. This time I had nine. That's amazing. But yeah. I'm sorry I talked about strip stuff so much, but, like, Exotica's really good. And Charlie Sheen is in this movie. This is true. So we could have gone way grosser with, Tommy, with Charlie Sheen anecdotes, but we didn't. Where are the whores? We tamed ourselves. <laughs> yeah, we did. <laughs> uh, thank you guys for listening. Remember to go to fthismovie.com every day for cool movie shit. Go to patreon.com slash fthismovie for bonus fthismovie content. Email us at fthismoviepodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at fthismovie. And uh, like and subscribe in iTunes if you haven't already. I have one question for you before we close. Yep. Um, when you were looking for additional writers back in 2013, yeah. why did you pick me? <laughs>